Hello, hello, welcome to episode 28 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. And, okay, so it's it's this lovely time of month. It is summertime. I love June. How do you feel about June? I gotta say I'm a fan of June. It's, right? the, it's the beginning of summer. You know, you get to ease in. It's good. Well, other- usually you get to ease in. It's been pretty hot lately, ease but... On. Sorry. And the other great thing about June is that it is Gay Pride Month. Yay. Yay. Woo woo. It's been a very colorful month. I really like driving around Buffalo and there's just rainbow flags all over. It, well, yeah, it's, a, it's a good look, you know. You got to check out the parade a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you didn't get to go? No, I had to referee some hockey that morning. The Gay Pride Parade, one of my all-time favorite Buffalo events. It is no joke. It was really long this year, too. I feel like I was down there for like an hour and a half just watching the parade. Really? Because I'm never sure how long it is. I'm always, I don't know if it's going to be one of those half-hour shows or yeah. shows, parades. Or no, I feel like it's, it's grown every year, but let's see what you miss. There's a lot of wigs. Of course. A lot of makeup, a lot of yes. glitter. Oh, I, yeah. Saw some butts. Um, There's usually a good amount of butts. A lot of techno, a lot of house music. A lot, a lot of EDM. <laughs> walking like... Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. As they're throwing Smarties at you, and you're like, this is where I belong. See, now that's something I will not complain about. If you're just going to th- go around throwing Smarties, I'm like, let's, let's well, get more of this going Well, it was actually... I, I always bring um, my nephew Zachary with me, and this was a terrible revelation for him because he's 13 now, and usually I take him, and I mean, that little kid, he's got like a little pride shirt on, and I like color his hair, and that kid would clean up. We would leave with bags of candy and chips and all sorts of stuff, and he didn't get like anything this year and I was like welcome to oblivion like you're 13 you're not a cute little kid anymore yep now you gotta fight for your smarties like yeah. the rest of us you gotta go diving and uh, this is a hard life so for people that don't know the month of June was chosen for LGBT pride month to commemorate the Stonewall riots which occurred at the end of June in 1969 and just as a result of that, many Pride events are held during the month to recognize the impact of LGBT people um, and, you know, the, the impact that they've had in the world. So, yeah, that's great. It's very impactful nowadays when you can actually be more open about it. Like you look at all the people, important people, important facts of like pop culture that have happened from the LGBT community. Oh, man. Yeah. They're it's like, it's, it's been everywhere. A, it's been a it's been a rough road. Well, even the fact that it's you know commemorated in June because of the Stonewall riots. I mean, that was like a crazy event where if, uh, so there was like spontaneous demonstrating by the gay community against a police raid that took place in the early morning of June in 1969 at the Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village. Um, this was kind of back when, gay people yeah, there. They were, just so they were like, oh, we're just going to raid. You get arrested for Yeah, existing. they would just arrest people for being gay. It's kind of a weird regressive you know, policy, but you look back in time, you're like, that is not a good look. Like, what was the problem? It's just people no, living their lives. but sometimes man. then you're like, well, this happened and this became kind of the most important event that led to the gay liberation, you know, movement and the modern fight. So, A, it never should have been that way, but B, because it was, it's almost, you know, it's good that the Stonewall riots happened to kind of, to jumpstart this. Yeah, get it all going. And now we are chock full of awesome media, cinema, TV all that good stuff. Yeah, nowadays, finally. So. I mean, it definitely it definitely took a long time to get there, um, but there's some great stuff now. And I think some of the best is films coming out where there are gay characters. And it's not that it's a gay central storyline. It's just these are people existing yeah, and they just, happen to be gay. Yeah, just kind of like another part of their personality. It's just, you know, 
it's who they are, you know? Like it is, like it is in real life, so. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought today we could talk about some of our favorite gay films, maybe some books, some TV shows, a little from column A, a little from column B. Possibly see if there's time, but I'm sure there won't be, knowing how bad we are what, at time management. What lives in column C? Uh, that'd be like books, probably. Oh, I thought, okay, I thought maybe... <laughs> Maybe we're getting somewhere deeper. I'm like, yeah, it's diary time. Okay, <laughs> so the first movie I want to talk about, which is maybe not the greatest movie ever. Um, great sell, great sell, well, sell job there. But I, <laughs> yes, it's it not has, great, but. I'm just saying, like, it's not like this. If you want to understand gay culture, like, you should watch this film. But I love it. And it is called But I'm a Cheerleader. Oh, okay. And so you know it. It's I about do. Megan, who's played by Natasha Leon. And. It's Natasha Leon. Please, you got to get. She's did I art. not get French enough? That's true. I've, Natasha I've actually, Leon. There you go. Thank you. There it is. So she considers herself to be a typical American girl. She excels in school and, of course, cheerleading. She has a handsome football playing boyfriend, even though she's not that crazy about him. Um, but you know the warning signs. She also eats tofu and she listens to Melissa Etheridge, no. and she has a pillowcase decorated with Georgia O'Keeffe flowers. Which I mean, we all know what that means. I mean, how would you not? <laughs> so she, but she's stunned when her parents decide that she's gay and they send her to True Directions, which is a boot camp, which is meant to alter her sexual orientation. And while she's there, she's encouraged by Mike, who is played by RuPaul, um, as just like a a recovered gay man and he's a reprogrammer and he's trying to set her back on the path to straight life but she also meets some other lesbians we got a little Clea Duvall in there who who was a that's an it girl like around that time when that movie came out yeah absolutely she's pretty good but so the movie itself um topical too when you think about it with uh like you know trying to like change people's um orientation and stuff well like yeah that. I mean these camps I mean it's not that they're not real they're you know there have been these I oh, mean, they're for sure real. Like, yeah, they're it's, definitely it's, still a thing now. That's a, like, horror show to talk about. But I feel like the movie kind of has the tone of, like, a John Waters film. Yeah, it's a little think? bit of, like, a black comedy kind yeah, of thing like, going Yeah, like, kind of goofy. But he, I think the director, Jamie Babbitt, goes for more, like, kind of slapstick stuff. I mean, not all the jokes work, which is that's, common no, in satire. Yeah, that's how most movies work. You know, most some of them work, some don't. Yeah, yeah. as long as you hit more often than miss, you're good. But Hanal, so I want to play a clip from it and to give a setup. So these, I'm going to call them like inmates. They attend like this compulsory meeting based on like a 12-step program where they analyze their addiction to being gay. And they have classes devoted to implanting gender behavior. So like the girls practice diapering baby dolls and the boys chop logs. And it's super hysterical to watch, but I'm going to put a little clip in to give you an idea. It's time for your first disclosure. Now, don't be intimidated. Why don't you start by telling us about the first time that you realized that you might be a lesbian? I'm not. Everyone just thinks I am. I shouldn't even be here. <laughs> That's a perfectly normal place to start. Why don't we discuss the issues in your intervention? Well, I'm a vegetarian. I have pictures of women around. You think that's normal? Sure. I get good grades. I go to church. I'm a cheerleader. Okay, so I, I love that movie. I haven't seen it in a while. I think I need to go back and watch it because I remember really enjoying it when I 
when I saw it when it first came out. It's really cute. And, you know, the end is kind of, you know, you are who you are. There's no there's no changing it. So it's a very positive message. Okay, Jacob. So what do you have for us? I'm going to go with a much a much different tone of my movie here. I'm going to go with Dog Day Afternoon, the okay. n- the 1975 Al Pacino classic. Did I, you ever uh, ever see it? I feel really guilty saying this, but I haven't. Oh, it's man. been on my list forever. I know, I know. So, okay, so this is probably going to surprise you what kind of like the plot of this movie is. So you probably know that it's a... Uh, it's about a bank robbery. Al Pacino and his partner, John Cazaley. I forget what his name is in the movie, though. They're police, right? No, they are robbing the bank. Oh, for real? Yeah. Wow, even in my head, I got it totally Yeah, you got, the, you got, it, got it backwards there. <laughs> okay. So they are going in to rob a bank, and, you know, they have the whole Attica scene. You know, it kind of gets out of hand because their whole plan is to just get in, get out with the money. That all goes awry. Okay. Um, but the whole crux about the movie, like halfway through, you find out why this is a such a LGBT movie, is the whole reason that they are robbing the bank in the first place. Wait, is, wait. Is this a spoiler? No, it's part It's also a really old movie. Yeah, it's from the 70s. No it's a, spoiler after 40 or 50 it's years. It's 40, 43 okay. years, so I okay. don't think the spoiler... Please continue. Change. So it ends up turning out that the reason that um, they are robbing the bank in the first place is because Al Pacino needs to get his boyfriend some gender reassignment surgery. So the whole... Dang. So the whole reason that they are robbing the bank is so that they can, uh, you know, they can afford that. Wow. So yeah, that yeah, took a twist. Yeah, it's uh, kind of out of left field, especially for 1975. It's not something that you was a typical plot line. Like even nowadays, if you put that in a movie, it comes out of like left field. Wow. They don't really hint at it at all. They talk about like his boyfriend. I believe his name is Chris. Okay. But they, you know, they just say, you know, we're needing it for like Chris. So it's it's always implied, like in your mind, you just assume that it's like a girl. It's like a shortened nickname for them sure and then but that's really interesting yeah so and then it's, it's it moved higher on my list now i'm definitely yeah, gonna watch it yeah it's a surprising thing and then the performances are just amazing all around i believe jim kazaley won uh an academy award for best supporting actor for this movie okay. i don't know if pacino won i know he was nominated it did win best picture of the year it came out um and if it's one of those movies that where that developed a lot of the bank robbery heist uh tropes that you see in movies nowadays and some of like the pop culture things, like you know, yelling Attica over and over again, that sure. all comes from this movie. <laughs> okay. So. And then you know, I don't want to give away everything, so there's a lot of twists and turns and surprises as the movie goes, especially once you get near the end. So. Well, everybody better hurry to the library because I'm taking that home tonight. Yeah, if you've been uh, you've been waiting these 43 years to check it out, you go pick it up nowadays. All right, cool. All right, what do you got? Uh, so the next one, it is a French film. It is called My Life in Pink. Okay. Or Mavi in Rose, but not the oh. Edith PF one. I was about to say, wait a minute here. They're close. They have like a different something about them. But the story is about seven-year-old Ludwig, and he announces to his parents that he is, in fact, a girl. So after he learns about chromosomes, he explains to his parents that instead of the female XX chromosomes he was intended to get, he received the male XY after his other X fell in the garbage. Okay. It's tough, you know. Seems legit. Yeah. So his parents first view because he has this newfound taste for girls' clothes and toys, and they kind of look at it as like a harmless phase. But then, you know, neighborhood parents start growing concerned, and his dad's like prudish boss lives next door, um, and he like really disapproves of this. And especially because Ludwig decides that he wants to marry at the boss's son. So they start to like take steps to cure him. Um, 
another one of those curing kind yeah, of stories. Yeah, but you know what's good about the film? It, it's really beautiful. It's really beautifully shot. Um, you do you feel the parents struggle very much. Like they're they're good people, and they're just like this is our son. This is what he's into. But I mean, to have a seven year old you know displaying this it's just very stressful for them they're trying to do the right thing it definitely won the golden globe for best foreign language film um i think mm. that I, I don't know if that's all that it won but the movie's interesting so it's about two ways of kind of seeing things too so you know kid versus adult and it shows that children construct like elaborate play worlds out of like dreams and fantasy and then they kind of plug that into the real world like it doesn't focus on that maybe he's even gay or transgender but that he's just kind of living out this sort of fantasy but things that as adults since we see things in such literal terms mm -hmm. that we're less open to this sort of fantasy idea um and it plays a lot with the idea that people have like never been threatened by girls that dress up as boys which is really really common but when boys dress up as girls you know people kind of freak out about it so this like innocent little kid is really made to pay for all of like the gay phobias and fears and prejudices of like the adults of the world and he's yeah. just like trying to exist so i feel like that's like a common that's kind of happening nowadays where it seems like the older generation sometimes has more of a problem with it than like the younger generation and it seems like they're it's in the future it's not going to be as big of an issue for well, yeah people i mean because as they slowly change things where their like clothes are a little more universal so it's not so black and white i mean i grew up 100 percent tomboy super short hair only played with he-man i've never owned a doll um you know boy shorts boy shirts i would only swim as a kid in trunks only like well, i was a boy <laughs> i can't argue with that they are much more comfortable yeah you know so always camping like with my dad and my brother um so, you know, kids just kind of figure their, their own things out. But the movie, it's just good. It, but it really just showed the kids' side and the adult side. It does a really good film. So check it out. All right. What yeah. else? Yeah. Just try to avoid the Edith Piaf one because if you get them, you're expecting <laughs> well, one thing, yeah. you're going to get a totally... Although that is also a great film. It is not the same tone. Yeah, very good movie, totally different story. <laughs> you're going to be very confused if you go in there <laughs> waiting for that. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and... Go to the comedy route here. I'm going to go and recommend The Birdcage. I was wondering if that was going to come up. So, yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> Birdcage. I've heard some people say that it can be, it's a little like cringeworthy at parts to watch nowadays, but honestly, I don't care. Nathan this, Lane it, is Na too much. Nathan <laughs> Lane in the role of a lifetime. If, he's been basically living off this character since then, and uh, it still has not gotten old. I it mean, is. and what I liked about that film, though, is that the Nathan Lane character and the Robin Williams character, they're so different. So oh, it yeah. really shows you like two completely different gay men. So one is maybe like so stereotypical, over the top, and then one is, you know, the opposite of that. And I love them and together. Throw in Hank Azaria as their, uh, oh, as their maid, Agador the Spartacus. Oh, just another one. Everything about this movie is just, it's one of the best comedies I've ever seen. I kind of like didn't, I avoided it when I was younger. Because, you know, I'm a stupid kid. I thought it was just going to be a dumb movie. Then I watched it, and I just was, like, cracking up the entire time. Like, I'm trying to think who's this, who, so what's the premise again? I feel like I cut you off. So the premise of the movie is, um, so Nathan Lane and Robin Williams are um, a gay couple living in South Beach, Miami. Uh, they own a club, The Birdcage. Um, and then their son it comes home from college. He's 19 years old, and he tells them that he's getting married to a senator's daughter. Senator is played by Gene Hackman and his <laughs> wife, Diane Weiss. This cast is just amazing yeah. all the way around. So they tell him that his 
he finds out that the fathers of the bride is like a super conservative senator. So he's coming down to Miami to meet the family. So he, the son is doesn't yeah, want him I to remember. know that he's gay. Yeah. So he tries to like hide it, and they're just kind of like trying to work around the fact. The antics of that, yeah, hilarity and, ensues. Oh, and like we said, there's just not enough you can say about Nathan Lane in this movie. Robin Williams. This is kind of when you know his whole shtick at times can be a little bit much with Robin Williams, but it definitely works for the character that he has here. Yeah, um, it's just a great, great movie altogether. Um, Nathan Lane, I believe, got an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor for this he's movie. A real, he's a real gem. Yeah, I mean, like we, we seem like we're just focusing mo- mainly on him, but honestly, it's, it's the main thing. Because he's just on. so funny. <laughs> like, uh, every, I mean, just let's, go, let's go actually, Let's see if we can grab a clip of him real All quick. All right, let's just do that. We need to. Don't use that tone to me. What tone? That sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. You're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. So that's just one kind of idea (laughs) on like Nathan Lane in that movie, but just all around just an amazing performance. I mean, we could have put a million clips in here, but most of them would just be him hilariously screaming. And a lot of it is, you know, it's very visual comedy. Oh, yes. Their bodies a lot. And plus, this is an R-rated movie, people. So there is quite a bit of swearing going on in this movie. So this is a G-rated podcast. We can't (laughs) be throwing all them dirty words on this show. All right. Okay, good. So, oh, I also for oh. I mentioned there's also a Buffalo connection because uh, Christine Baranski from Buffalo uh, plays uh, the biological mother of Vale in the Birdcage. That's it. That's your that, how? That's a main character in the movie. That's one I of the guess. key from Buffalo. There's a lot of movies. All right, I was expecting a little more, but I guess I accept this. I accept this. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So another movie I think underrated is called Trans America. Familiar at all, Jacob? Vaguely, yes. So um, it stars Felicity Huffman. Oh, yep, there it is. She is fantastic in this film. But right in the midst of important changes in her life, which for her is sex reassignment surgery, uh, the character is Brie Osborne, which again is Felicity Huffman. She learns that she fathered a son, Toby, 17 years ago. She, you know, she tried once in college and sure. didn't work out, but this happened. So she reluctantly leaves Los Angeles and travels to New York to meet him, who is this like street hustler kid who's trying to improve himself by becoming a porn star. And this career choice is extremely distressing to Brie because she's very ladylike, middle class, <laughs> conservative, um, which again is hilarious as she's like transgendered, but she's unwilling to reveal her real identity to him. So she poses as a Christian caseworker who specializes in converting sex workers to Jesus. And then he agrees to drive back with her to L.A. because he needs a ride. And then the whole time she's trying to find a way to reveal um, who she really is. Okay. And all in all, it is a great film. Felicity Huffman is amazing. But it is, I feel, a film about family values more than anything else. That's not what I expected the movie to be about. I'm not sure what I thought Transamerica was about. But. It's really good. So, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be interesting. So it's basically just trying to connect with your long-lost son kind of thing. Pretty much, there. yeah. Like, the, they don't have a relationship, and she's trying to work on it. And she also, you know, has this big thing to She got, um, if I remember correctly, I believe uh, Felicity Huffman also got an Oscar nomination for that movie. I oh, I'm know. sure that she did. 
I'm not, I don't know if she won it. I don't think she I did. don't think so, but she was she was really great. So, oh, we're running out of time. Tell me what you got. We're, I'm going to start talking way we're faster. We're always running out of time on I this know, show. I know. I want to throw some books in. All right. So, I'm going to go with I Love You, Philip Morris next. Did you ever see that movie? I did, yeah. So, this is a Ewan McGregor and Jim Carrey movie. It is based on the true story of Stephen J. Russell. He's a con man from the 80s and 90s. And it's about him and this love affair that he had with a fellow um, convict named Philip Morris. And it's the, you want to talk about a black comedy. This yeah. one is one of those. I like when Jim Carrey plays these roles. It's like the only time I like him. Yeah, it's when he does. He's starting to go in that little, the darker out there for a while yeah. after he got like, stopped doing the Ace Ventura movies and stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah, it's just a really good, it, they, it, the homosexuality angle is a major theme of the movie considering the whole thing is just Philip Morris and Steven just can't seem to stay away from each other. Mm-hmm. Even though they're horrible for each other, they turn <laughs> each other into con men, they end up going to jail numerous yep. times. Um, Russell breaks out of jail four different occasions just so he could be with Philip, like, it's good. It's but, like a it's a great love story that takes place in an unsuspecting place. You know, you wouldn't think it. Like, and both characters were married at one point, trying to like you know hide their way that they truly were their real feelings for each other. But they were trying because they didn't want to accept that that's who they really were. Yeah. Um, just a really good movie, and one I feel like people forgot about, like ignored when it came out because you know it really didn't. There was no kind of big push on it. It was yeah. one of those forgotten Jim Carrey movies, considering oh, the char- the um, caliber of the actors in it. It's kind of a forgotten movie. Well, it's funny. So Ewan McGregor um, is actually in my next choice, too, which oh. is the film Beginners. I did not see that one. Oh, I love that movie. So after his mother dies, um, Ewan McGregor is stunned when his father, Hale, who's played by Christopher Plummer, who is fantastic. What don't they put Christopher Plummer in these days? He's so good. But he's recently diagnosed with terminal cancer, and he comes out of the closet. Okay. And he's like 80. <laughs> Seems like about the right time. Yeah, you know, and is just really living life. So Oliver, the Ewan McGregor character, is someone who's really afraid of failing and afraid of commitment and trust and meaningful relationships. Um, And then, you know, Hale is just beginning to live his true life. And the movie's kind of about how both men find love. Um, And then after Hale passes away, like a few years later, it's about Oliver, who's really depressed and struggling um, in loneliness and him meeting someone and you know, his fear of commitment and how he's trying to work through that while kind of remembering his father and how brave his father was at the end there. So it is a really warm film. It's super sincere. It's well acted. And it is based on a true story. So oh, well, it's always hitting all the major buttons there. For yeah. Sure. So I highly, I highly recommend that one. Go grab it. See, look how quickly I did it. Boom. What we got next? Uh, I'm going to go to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, <laughs> Julie Newmar. Yeah. Starring John Leguizamo, Patrick Swayze, and Wesley Snipes. What a movie. Yes. Uh, another one from the mid-90s when, uh, you know, views on gay culture and stuff was taking a turn for the positive. Um, the three of them play three drag queens who are on their way from New York to California to compete in the national, I don't remember if it's national, international drag queen competition. Um, their car breaks down in the middle of the South, like, you know, very conservative rural South. And they're basically just bringing their their culture to like this staid, kind of stale community, and you know trying to add some like spice and color That's to the a whole situation. Film, like. <laughs> There's a Chris Penn plot line in there with uh, involving an abusive uh, sheriff. You know that's just mm-hmm. for the antagonism. Um, but man, first of all, we had to talk about John Leguizamo being a 
like very convincing drag queen in that movie. Yeah, it looks great. It was like it's <laughs> it looks like, fantastic. It's like three different levels of uh, drag queens in that movie. There's uh, John Leguizamo, very convincing. Patrick Swayze, you know, passable in there. And then there's Wesley Snipes, which is just mm, not so not <laughs> so much on that one. Um, but it's just it's one of those enjoyable little fun movies that came out in the mid '90s. Um, Another one like is mentioned, but it's not really talked about too often. I don't know. Days. It comes up on a lot of on a lot of lists for like gay films, so yeah. it's a pretty classic. I think gay film. Yeah, so point. it's a pretty fun movie. You know, okay, well, check it out. You mentioned fun. I'm gonna bring it way down. Oh, lovely. Real, real low. So, I have to talk about Boys Don't Cry oh, because boy. I, if I remember correctly, it was like the first really prominent gay film that like I remember seeing where the you know the central character was gay and it was based on a true story so it's about young female to male transgender Brandon Tina who is played by Hilary Swank who won her first Oscar for this role well deserved oh yeah for sure without she was a on doubt a, when she was on a roll like two or three in a row yeah but Brandon leaves his hometown under threat when his ex-girlfriend's brother discovers that he's biologically female and then resettles in the small town of Falls City Nebraska and Brandon ends up falling for Lana, who's played by Chloe Zvegny, as an aspiring singer and begins to plan for their future together. And then her ex-convict friends, um, one's played by Peter Sarsgaard, who, man, oh, man. He's, Sarsgaard. he's terrible in that. And then I'm not sure the other one is, but they learn of Brandon's secret and then things go south really, really quick. Again, it's a true story. It's completely tragic. It has like really beautiful moments of Brandon's uh, journey and this love affair and everything. But what's what I think is most fascinating, especially reading about Brandon Tina afterwards, is that it's not that she is transsexual or a lesbian or a cross-dresser or like a member of any other category of sexual identities, but she is just a girl who thinks of herself as a boy. Right. And so when she leaves Nebraska and moves uh, to Falls City, that's just how she presents herself. So I feel like she doesn't even feel like she's lying as much, you know, because she's just living who she feels that she is. Which was a very, you know, controversial topic at the time because it was something that people were just starting to kind of come to grips with. That there's just, you know, some people that they just like feel like a different kind of person than the way they were born and they're just trying to live as that person you know yeah. what I mean so it's one of the first ones that brought that to light and got it to people's attention and then you I know, mean knowing that's a true story though and then it's just it's really disgusting there's all kinds of horrifying stories if you really start digging into like I know where a lot of these come from it's if just anyone does watch this which they should because it's a powerhouse performance but you need to be prepped that it, it there's not a happy ending. No, it's not a happy life. It's story. a lot of these that don't have happy endings, but you know, enjoy the ride on them. I'm just I'm just gonna rattle off a couple here because we. we I was gonna say I was gonna list just a couple too, and then let's just talk about books real quick. Yeah, um, you know, check out uh, you know Priscilla Queen of the Desert. There's Will and Grace. That was another big one that you know has some uh, gay characters at the center of it. Yeah, um, and then came back, left and came back. Still, still pretty good too, yeah. actually. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Hedwig and the Angry Itch, of course. <gasps> I love Hedwig and the Angry Inch so much. I, of course, had to like go a little bit on the musical side, as is my speciality. As, as is where your heart beats. But no yeah, doubt. go check all of those out. They're all worth checking out. I'm also going to mention um, films I think are important would be The Kids Are All Right, because mm -hmm. it has lesbian couple bringing up two children. Um, and Mark Ruffalo. Anytime and Mark that, Ruffalo's in something, check I it like out. Moonlight, the big Oscar winner a couple years ago because it shows homosexuality in the black community. You have the movie Free Held, which um, is gay 
you know, a gay rights film because it's about a dying police officer and she wants to leave her pension benefits to her domestic partner, which they won't allow. And it's kind of like the Supreme Court case that follows. Um, Call Me By Your Name, the Mm -hmm. big winner from last year, is a great, just like a young gay love story. Um, Oh man, there's just- Like Brokeback Mountain, blue is the warmest color. The Laramie Project is a documentary that's also super, super depressing, but- And then Bohemian Rhapsody is coming out this summer, so that's the one to check out in theaters. Truth, looks good. So So, much So there's a bunch of stuff. Um, We have a lot on display at the Downtown Central Library, so if you're not sure what you want, or I mean there's a ton more that we haven't mentioned, you can kind of pop up and look at that or ask a librarian. But let's mention a couple books uh, real quick here. So, What you got? One that I'd really recommend is this book called The Paying Guests by Sarah Waters. Okay. So it takes place in 1922 in London and the impoverished widow, Mrs. Ray, and then she has her spinster daughter, you know, spinster, Francis, and they're obliged to start taking in lodgers. So they take in Lillian and Leonard Barber, this young, um, modern young married couple, and it really changes everybody's life in unexpected ways. And so the new tenants, um, I will say Lillian, really kind of alter the course of Francis's life. Um, you know, passions mount and frustrations grow and blah, blah, blah. But it has it has a huge twist, like a lot happens. But the, you know, I, I really don't want to give too much away, but it has a really, it has a really nice build. Um, and their relationship is presented. It's, it's really fantastic. It's really believable, um, even though things get a little kind of crazy at the end but uh yeah so i would check that out and then i wanted to throw in a book i haven't read the tales of the city by armistead maupin and i'm only bringing that up because it's on that um 100 great american reads is that the big read book uh that we did last week or just kind of great no no no. it's on this the hundred yeah the hundred great american reads list the one that we've been talking about so it's on there and i guess it's been around for like four decades and kind of blazed its own trail through pop culture it was like a groundbreaking newspaper serial and then became a novel it became like a television event um it's like a really huge deal and in the great american read video where they they kind of started off they have like people in the gay community talking about how much this book affected them and you know, at the time that it came out, it was a really big deal. It kind of changed the way that they lived their life. So that's worth checking out. I have a couple more. Do you have any? No, go for it. I'll just keep babbling. Yeah, go for it. I got nothing. God, I love babbling. Um, Okay, one of my favorites is Angels in America. So that is a play actually written by Tony Kushner. I remember the HBO miniseries a bunch of years ago. Absolutely. It is fantastic. So it shows the struggles in the LGBTQ community. Um, and it all takes place like in the midst of the AIDS epidemic. And I don't even, I mean, the HBO special, even just reading it, you get a lot out of it. The HBO special is breathtaking, but it's, um, even though it's not a book, it's been like read in classrooms and book clubs. Um, it has amazing text. The story is, it's heartbreaking. It's a lot to take in. But we don't even got time to get into, but it's a you know, it's a big time miniseries, the good books. It's one of those ones it almost seems like it's like one of those must read lists that people put out all the time. It really should be. 
Um, and it, it's nice that like a lot of them end up getting made up into film then, so yeah. that it just reaches an even larger audience. Like I guess this is the last one I'll mention. I guess a normal heart is like that too. The oh HBO yeah, that's did a, uh, a series on that one. So yeah, that's and then they had put and the band played on when that first came out. That H- was that HBO was ahead of the curve on that. that now they were starting to name and them. And the band played on affected me so much. That's have you seen it? Yes, I have. That yeah. scene where he's like, "How many have to die?" <laughs> Give us a number and we'll stop bothering you until then. I was like, dang. Like, um, but also the book A Single Man by Christopher Isher- Isherwood. Okay, I was going to recommend that movie, but I didn't remember it enough to bring it yeah, up. Yeah, it was so. a great film. Did he win? Uh, did Colin Trail win Best Actor? He might have been no, nominated. He nominated. Because he won he for the King's Speech. Okay. Um, but that really, I think it became more popular when the film came out, and of course, because Tom Ford made it, so it was just like <laughs> this beautiful art film. But uh, the book is about a day in the life of George Falconer, who's going through this like existential crisis after suddenly losing his partner in a tragic accident. Um, and it really, so it, it talks about just this gay relationship, and it's a lot about staying alive when the thing that you love is most gone. So I think it's really beautiful to read a love story from just like another point of view, and it comes across really beautifully on and screen it, and in print. And that's a universal topic, you know, how, what do you do when, you're, when your love is gone, you know? How oh, do you absolutely, going, anyone so. can relate to this, so yeah, yeah. check it out. So yeah, come down Open to your, your local mind. library, pick all these up, they're all available. Yeah. And if you have any questions or thoughts, don't forget to send it to allbookedup at buffalolib.org. We'll Definitely. talk about it on the show. We sure will. Follow us, SoundCloud, iTunes, all the good stuff. Oh, also, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. I'd be remiss to not mention during Gay Pride Month, do yourself a favor and just read anything by David Sedaris, and you will be a better person for it, without a doubt. I will second that notion. Okay. And so a couple things that I, that I found out that I just wanted to share for this month, but did you know that gay people tend to be left-handed much more often than heterosexuals? Really? Right? Huh. That's some cray-cray stuff right yeah, there. Yeah, that's an interesting little fact. Yeah, and that the state with the most gay couples is, but you can guess this, you got it, yeah. with approximately like 92,000, and that the state with the least gay couples, any thoughts? Mississippi. North Dakota. Yeah. Say approximately 700 couples. There's only like 800 people that live in. They're like, yeah, we like the warmth. Yeah, there's only 800 no. people that live in North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, so it's not so like, that's it in general. That makes okay, sense. well, thank you guys so much for listening. Happy Pride, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.